Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. In this episode, Steve Palato talks to us about reaching the ethnic Lao people of Isan, Northeast Thailand. We are in Thailand because of a passion for the Northeast Thai people. Uh, the land of Isan. Isan means Northeast. It's the ethnic Lao people that live up in the Northeast 20 provinces of Thailand. It is a group of about 20 million. Mm-hmm. It is the least reached in terms of percent or total number of Christians. And it's also the least geographic spread to the gospel anywhere in East Asia. We don't have information about North Korea, so I'm not going to attempt to compare with that. Um, one in a thousand call in the name of Jesus. Compare that to Laos, where one in 20, or Cambodia, where you've got one in 50, call themselves a believer. You have the least reached plot of humanity. And the interesting thing is it's a free and open country. Thailand is reasonably prosperous economically. Uh, You've got the edict of religious toleration allowing missionaries to work in Thailand, and you've had every conceivable strategy in the plant that's gone through Northeast Thailand or the Isan region. And we've got one in a thousand who call in the name of Jesus after 89 years of, of very hard work. And, you know, you've had... Millions raise their hand at the stage events and say, I'm I'm in. And you go back to their house two days later, next day, next week. And like 99.99% of them are back at the temple. They're saying, no, thanks for the miracle healing. But no, I'm not really a Jesus follower. And so decisions for Jesus really don't mean a thing. So we're trying to find strategies and ways to really reach into the heart of these people and not just do the same old. If, if we just do what kind of looks like everyone else is doing, 89 years from now, you'll interview me again, and you know, it'll be one in 900. <laughs> so we're here literally to try and change the numbers, uh, which we personally were a part of, along with many others in the country of Laos, where we went from one in a thousand to where we're at today, about three and a half percent Christian. So we know the Lord can do it. And we're trusting him for movements in Northeast Thailand. Um, I think back to two years ago in the fall of 2016, we moved to where we live now in Northeast Thailand and our, my wife and I went out prayer walking, uh, common initial strategy, praying for a family of peace. And I also asked the Lord, give us someone who's really articulate because I'm not that great. And we need someone who can speak the Buddhist dialect, if you will, how these people think and really get into where people are at. And so, Lord, may that family believe first about a month later, we met a gentleman who is a very famous radio DJ in our, in our town there. And he had just fallen madly in love with Jesus at 
a service down in Bangkok, actually, which is also pretty common. We see a lot of ministry to Isan diaspora who then come back home. And this man had come back home. He just given his life to Christ. He decided having his minor wife wasn't the right thing to do. So he led her to faith and then they separated. So his minor wife, what does that mean? A minor wife is a second wife, which is a common practice in Thailand. So he led his second wife that he was living with in Bangkok to faith and then went back to reconcile with his lawfully wedded wife and get his life together and restart. Mm. And so we met about a couple days after he arrived back in town. We got along great and we started a simple church. We've seen about 21 baptized, all Buddhist background, new believers, basically four family, uh, four families. Mm. So we do a simple house church week in and week out. We meet for about three hours. We have a meal. Then we go out in the harvest in the afternoon, probably an hour and a half prayer walking and just walk up to people and start talking, share our testimony. We do a creation to judgment to present the gospel. And then we pray for people. We pray for God's blessing. We pray for healing. And then we make a visit again. We come and visit. And, and through that, uh, you know, we've seen a number of people come to faith. We, we meet in different places. So the four families that are part of the church actually all live in four different villages that are maybe about five miles apart. And so we, we go to different people's homes and prayer walk through their immediate neighborhood, visit their family and friends, and so we're just trusting for that second generation downstream. So we go out two by two. People are hanging out, particularly on the weekend. That's one reason we do prayer walking outreach on Saturdays and Sunday is they are hanging out. They've done their morning chores. And so midday is actually a pretty good time to catch people. And there'll be two, three, four people sitting together doing something weaving baskets they might be doing some household chores and we just they say hey what are you guys out here doing hi we're praying through our village and we're asking the creator that made heaven and earth to bless the people in this village mm-hmm. surely there's some things going on in your life that we could pray for his blessing and we talk and get to know them a bit we usually end up sitting down And uh, we say, well, let me tell you about myself. And we'll do a simple testimony. It takes about a minute to a minute and a half. Talk about how Jesus has helped me. And we kind of close it by saying, you know, Jesus helped my life. He changed me. And I know that he could help you. Would you like to receive help from this Jesus? And probably 90% of the people will say, well, yeah, sure. Well, let me tell you who he is, and then we'll do a creation to judgment presentation. Um, We've pretty carefully crafted how we do our creation to judgment message. takes about three and a half to four minutes if you just set it through. It's a very bad sign if they just listen for four minutes and don't interrupt you. Mm -hmm. It's a good sign to interrupt you about every 30 seconds. That's what you want. 
and you deal with what's on their mind and, and what's coming to mind and you know where they're at. And so we don't finish in three, four minutes. So we go through, we're trying to answer questions that they have and present the gospel. At the end, we say, look, I'm part of Jesus' family. The two of us here, we're in Jesus' family. And he loves you and would love for you to be part of his family. Is that something you want to pursue today? Is that, or we might say, are you ready to come and be part of his family? Mm-hmm. That'd probably be the most direct. Most of the time, I don't like it quite so direct. So we'll say something like, would you like to pursue that? Would you like to know more about that? Which in a Thai way is, is actually pretty, pretty confrontational. Yeah. And they'll, some of that, they'll give some feedback and we can kind of gauge where things are at. If they're really positive or even lukewarm positive, we'll say, great, let me pray for you. Let me pray God's blessing for you and let's see what he does in your life. And we have a little format to how we pray, pray for health. We pray for their work. We pray for their management of money, which is a big issue. We pray for their family. And we also pray that their spiritual eyes would be opened. And we pray all this in Jesus name with our eyes fully open mm. and say, amen. May it be so. And we'll say, how did you feel? What was that like? And we get all kinds of responses. Some people say, oh, all the hair on my arms is standing up. Look, amazing. We've had people say, I felt a warm presence. I felt great. Uh, Or it's amazing how nice you guys are. You know, you're not like, you know, those idols that we worship you know they're always trying to get back at us they're trying to destroy us you guys actually just you're like loving and kind i mean that's so we get a lot of good reaction if people say hey this is amazing you know but i really need some more time to think it through Mm -hmm. we'll say that is wise on your part how about if you get your family and friends together you know even if it's just two or three people like the really important people in your life, could you pull them together this evening, tomorrow evening? We'll come back and I'll just present a, a Bible story and we'll just talk through it. And you guys can consider this together. And so our goal here is to get in the home and help them gather their family. We're also testing to see if they're really a family of peace. Are they, are they a gatherer? Do they have a place in society where they can pull a few people together? And not everyone can. But if they can, we say, okay, this, this is where we're going to put our time. We're going to pour into the people who can gather, gather family and friends. Um, we come back. We've got a couple of ways we can go at it. But we always do Bible stories. We just sit, oral Bible stories. We printed up gospel portions. If it goes well at the first follow-up meeting, we'll leave everybody with a book of Mark and or the book of Genesis, which we printed up. No tracks involved. There's no, nothing else. It's just, we're trying to make this as, transparent as we can. We want to be in their home. We want to make it as convenient as possible for them. We want them to be at ease. As soon as I, who's someone they don't know very well, 
or even a local national person that they don't know well says, come to my house, they already feel awkward. Hmm. They feel reserved. Um, we have a word in Thai language, which is not in English, but they, they'll say, you know, I'm Kreng Jai. I, you know, I just feel awkward. I don't hmm. want to presume your hospitality. And so in the end of the day, what could be a genuine interest can't be pursued because they're so embarrassed to come to my house. Worse, at, at my house, I feel comfortable and in control. At their house, I feel awkward. So, exactly. So, so we have to become the ones who feel awkward. <laughs> you got it. That's loop 10. Go feel awkward, feel scared, mm. go with your body, go with your gospel body and feel scared and awkward mm. And you'll get over it, okay? You do. You do get over it. And I am so proud of one lady, Fa. She learned to share the gospel about three months ago in February. And she's out five, six days a week. Mm -hmm. She runs a little shop, uh, food shop. People come there. Sometimes they're alone. And she'll talk to the customers. She shares her testimony. She goes through the creation of judgment. She prays for them. And she's loving it. Mm. Now, she's been at it about three months, and it's just a huge step forward. So for me, the success marker is she's out there five days a week, at least, sharing. Um, our radio guy, I mean, my goodness, yeah. he's out every two and a half hours because he's just gifted that way. And... Uh, does it through his FM radio program, a secular radio program. And we pray online. We've met people through the radio. It's a phone in radio program. So it's, a, it's an entry strategy to connect with lost people. And he has taken great opportunities out of that. Um, we've connected to the business community in our town. We've seen the manager of a major hardware shop come to faith um, yeah, I, I, you know, the Thai are very religious. Mm-hmm. Buddhists are very, very religious. They're interested in the religious system. And so we're trying to separate out of that. That's a huge wall. We call it the religious wall. We say, look, we're here to talk to you about truth. Mm-hmm. The creator of the universe, the author of life itself. The power over all powers. I mean, this is their language. And we say, look, we're here to talk to you about that. This is an ancient tradition. This predates any religion. Mm. This is outside of religious form. Now, people turn Jesus and Christianity into religion. Okay, but that's not what we're talking about. And so to not have booklets and not have stamps, you know, on the leaflet and come to my house or come to the church service it's down here in the corner every Friday night. I mean, that's not, that's not the entry strategy. Okay. We're following. It's just like, I'm part of his family. He wants you to be part of the family. You're ready. Yeah. We had a fun opportunity um, that connects to the radio program. This is a, kind of a, a country music phone-in radio program. And so people call in, they'll ask for a love song dedicated to their honey and laugh on the, you know, on the air. And we play the songs for them and we'll say, Hey, so where are you? You know, Oh, I'm so-and-so I run this noodle shop out in Bumblebee village. 
that's amazing. You know, can we come have noodles out there sometime? Yeah, yeah, we're just get down to the temple, turn right, and you'll find it. So we go out. We get to the house. The shop is closed. The tables that are normally set up are smashed and broken on the ground. There's garbage strewn about. And we're like, oh, my goodness. Something awful just transpired here. So I looked at my friend. I said, what do you think happened? He said, the guy got drunk and, you know, trashed the, trashed the noodle shop. And something inside of me said, they're here. He's in the house. The windows are closed. The door is shut. I said, let's just call. Let's just go in, knock, knock on the wall, and <laughs> knock on that door and call for them. And sure enough, uh, the guy comes out real sheepish. And uh, I, I don't even know him. I said, this is not the life God wants you to live. It's my first line. And I think you have a sense of that. Now I'm kind of just making some assumptions here, but I'm just going with what I felt the Lord prompting. The wife then comes out of the house and she said, I'm ready. I'm just, I've just packed my bag. I'm getting in that car. I don't even know how to drive. I don't care. And I'm taking my son and we're going to Bangkok and we're never coming back. I've had it with this guy. He got drunk. He flew off at the handle, destroyed the place. I'm done. I hid for my life last night at a junky hotel down the road. I'm out of here. And I looked at him. And I said, you need, you need to humble yourself. You need, you need to make this right. And he very humbly apologized on the spot. We prayed for them. He prayed with us. He did in his way, a prayer of repentance in front of her. She's crying at this point saying, I can't believe you guys are here. Like if you were five minutes later, I'm out of here. And I feel like I'm getting my marriage back. Well, now they're, they're committed members in our house church. And there's still, there's still tit for tat, you know, but we've seen huge progress. So this marriage was saved, like, right on the spot yeah. that day. And uh, we've had a few other hard conversations because habits do take time to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's kind of a from the, the harvest. Um, both of them are active in sharing their faith now. Um, he's got a, a pretty, pretty excellent testimony. So I, I don't know. That's, that's something that happened out there. Okay. One strategy is let's just go start a church and multiply it. Mm-hmm. And the stories I've shared so far have come from that. The other strategy was let's train up existing believers in a paradigm of you know, kind of a four fields multiplication paradigm and see what we get. Hmm. And so I have worked hundreds of hours to build relationships with the key leaders in our area. And finally in March of this year, we, 
we reached a turning point where I held a two-day retreat for lead pastors and their wives. Now, that was a switch for them. Come to a nice resort. Everything's paid for. And we're going to go through the big picture of what we're talking about. What would be the big ticket changes that need to happen in evangelism and how we do discipleship, how we do discipleship group, how we design and run the church, and then how we train leaders. So we go field by field, say, here's the big picture. And we had a number of leaders get up and say, you know, look, nothing's working, guys. I've been in this for 30 years, and we got our church of 20 people, and, you know, they're all faithful grannies, but come on, we're not getting anywhere. And you got another 10 years in your life or less. We got to do this. And there was this turning point in the room. And so we set up training sites where we have a host church that anchors the training in four provinces. And there'll be five to 10 churches that send a team. The lead pastor plus a ministry team has to come to the training. We don't just want random people because They have no sense of freedom. If the lead pastor leads the way, it can happen. So we've been through two rounds of this training. They're two-day training events. We've gone to all four provinces. We've trained 36 churches. And there's very few people that are really week in, week out, out in the harvest doing something. We'll get them out in in the training and people come to Jesus and Every single training, you know, there's that that cool testimony of someone who came to faith, but someone who's like, this is my new life. I'm really going to do this. I'm going to pay the price and stick at it until we get a generation one group, until that generation group stands up, gets the vision, gets the tools and goes and gets the next generation. And we've probably got five people mm-hmm. out of that are really in that category. So the persistence and patience, I mean, is way beyond what I thought it would be. Um, there's always this sense if we do the right things, you know, it's gonna, it's just gonna crank out, and we're gonna be at stage two, stage three, and we're just, woo. Uh-uh. It's taken two years till I can even get lead pastors in the room to sit down and really listen and take it on. They sat down, they listened. There was that moment of, okay, we need to do it. We go to the training and it's time to go out in the harvest and the pastor suddenly isn't free. So I I went to- I I thought that only happened in Australia. (laughs) No, that happened at every one of our trainings. And so I have four Northeast Thai trainers with me who all are doers. They've all got Gen 1 and or Gen 2 church. Okay. I say to them, you make a beeline for the lead pastors in the room. Each one of us grabs one of them. There's no discussion. Say, I am so happy you're coming with me. Let's go. And you jump in the car and grab their hand and you go out and model the first site, second site and say, okay, so tell us about your testimony. And just throw them right in the fire. And there was a lot of struggle with that. But if the members are excited and they go do it and they don't see their pastor doing this, yeah, they'll run out of gas after about a month. 
And we'll come back two months later and they'll say, yeah, some cool stuff. And, you know, we really like the creation of judgment tool and we really like, but frankly, you know, everything's going on like before. Well, if everything goes on like before, we got one in a thousand and that's what we're going to get one in a thousand. Hmm. And so I'm really at a pause right now and just saying, okay, we designed this training and it's not really getting us around the corner like I thought. I'm not just saying, did someone come to Jesus and get baptized? Because yes, we've had a bunch of baptism ceremonies in the last six months where there were none for years. So, you know, even a any kind of church would say, well, we went from doing nothing and mm. we've got new people on Sunday and, and we've, we've got the baptismal working. That's definitely happening. So that's at that level, we call that ABC. You know, that's just the introductory fruit. We definitely got a bunch of fruit or we just say, well, how many people heard the gospel in this harvest field? per day. Is, is that going up? Yes, that number has definitely gone up. We have gone from nobody's doing anything to hundreds of gospel shares per week. So if we, if we look at that fruit level, we've got a lot to talk about. But I'm looking at, well, I'm looking at the, 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 you know, the lady at the noodle shop who didn't know Jesus and is ready to separate from her husband is now an active share of the gospel. And then the next tier is, does she have a disciple who went from a complete train wreck to being a lover of Jesus who's out sharing? We're not seeing that yet. We're, we're if you will, stuck at generation one stuff. Um, it may be an issue of time. So that's why the, the endurance, you know, how long, many people say, how long till we find that family of peace? Yeah. And I say, well, there is no answer. It'll be somewhere between two hours and, and when Jesus comes back. Or, you know, at the end of your life. How many will you find? Let's say you did this, truly did this, three, four days a week for the next 20 years. What, you know, in your heart, you think I'm going to find a thousand families at peace and start this massive. Am I going to find one? Mm. I just feel the Lord saying, are you ready to be happy with whatever I give? Mm. What if you do the right practices for 10 more years and there's one family of peace that really multiplies. And that isn't until year nine or 10. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. How bad do I want this? Hmm. How long am I willing to stick with it? Um, I built relationships with Thai leaders here in two years. For most missionaries, that's really fast. I know people have been out here over a decade until they get to the level of trust that I'm at right now with local leaders that I didn't even know two years ago. And that's just because we've been out in the region for, oh, I just say it, 33 years. Hmm. You know, because there's that longevity. When I first meet them, I'm already, you know, getting to business quicker than someone who's been here two or three years. Uh, but even with that, I'm realizing we, we're going to have to up our 
endurance and willingness to sacrifice and press into what it's going to take. God's glory. You know, this, this is a certain task. Mm. We just come back to the biblical basis and God's heart that none would perish, that his glory would be everywhere in the earth. Mm. Uh, The certainty of the completion of the great commission. And, and we just go, okay, this is, we're working for a commanding officer. We're not going to just say, ah, we're sick of that. You know, I've got something better to do with my life now. And it's, so I just, there's not a release at all. There's also an excitement at a global level. I think that keeps us going. I think mm. the 2014 network has been inspirational. Uh, seeing what's happening in the country of Laos, uh, as the church there has embraced the paradigm, unlike some of the stories I've relayed from Thailand, they, as a national church, have said, this is it. Make disciples mm. or make disciples. That's, that's all we're going to do till Jesus comes back. And let's face it, there's not much time till he gets back. And they're busy, man. 490 new churches between January and May. Uh, met last night with some of the leaders. There's definitely some Generation 2 stuff emerging. It's not just the dynamic evangelist person who said, all right, I can start with seven churches. Look at me. And we have that. There is. I met a guy last night. He started seven churches since uh, January 2017. Him and team. Okay. That's awesome. There are some very fruitful people like that. So we look at that and we go, okay. They're taking the paradigm and they're running. And let me tell you, they're going to soon uh, exceed the need in their country. Their, their capacity as a church exceeds the population that needs reaching 7 million. And we're just regularly saying, okay, guys, just spill over. Come on over to Northeast Thailand. We're your Judea. Face it. We're ethnically the same people. A little bit of difference, come on. And in the la- in 2018, there's our our multiplication or CPM trainers from Laos have come to Thailand at the invite of Thai churches. All I did was get up on the stage and say, "Come on down." And and we've got two sites now in in Thailand where the Lao are coming to train and igniting the flame, if you will, taking the hot coals of new growth the new movement, bringing it to Thailand where everyone's still kind of got their arms crossed saying, you know, is the risk worth it? And say, come on guys, it doesn't hurt. Let's do it. What's your problem? We're definitely looking for people. We are a hub site. So it's a training site. So the idea of, a training system to take people from, I'm a believer. I'd love to know how to make disciples. I like to do it cross-culturally. I like to go to the least reach. I have no clue what I'm doing. So the hubs are, are places you can go and get hands-on mentorship first in your home culture, but maybe working with people of another culture, but at least you can work in your heart language and your kind of near familiar surroundings. And so there's sites now, we call that a hub one. Mm-hmm. And then once you've gone through that mentorship, you learn to be a good disciple. You learn to train others. You come to 
kind of the next tier, okay? I'm a hub to site. I'm a site where you can come and say, okay, I'm ready to do this now cross-culturally. Made disciples in the home country. I'm ready to do it cross-culturally. So we're looking for people who um, are single, newly married. They've got life in front of them, okay? And they're willing to come for one to three-year commitment, learn language and culture, and be hands-on apprenticed in the tools, in the process, in this context, and, and maybe more broadly amongst Buddhist peoples in Southeast Asia. I think what we're doing would apply in the Buddhist context in Southeast Asia. We're looking for people <clears throat> who are willing to pay the price long-term. This is, this is not quick and easy. And, you know, we see an internship of one to three years is just the beginning step. Mm. Your fruitfulness is going to come in about year seven to year 10. There's fruit all along the way. Don't get me wrong. But to be in the groove, you've got the language. You think like these people. You've got a basis of connection and relationships. And you can start working with an authority that really is more fruitful. So we're looking for people in it for the long haul. Okay. We're looking for people to say, I'm in it, man. I want to see these people reached, whatever it takes. And I'm willing to make personal sacrifices to see that happen. So you love Jesus. You're a disciple worth multiplying. And you've made a few disciples, you know, come on down. We're waiting. 